Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com, subscribe and follow us on social media. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host, Bill Bannum. And in this episode, we're going to consider well-being at work. Our returning guest this time is Gethin Naden. Gethin is a psychology graduate who has been helping some of the world's largest organizations to improve their employee experience and well-being for almost two decades. The last decade has been spent working as part of the leadership team over at Benefex. As a frequent writer and speaker on employee experience and employee well-being, Gethin has been featured in The Guardian, The Huffington Post, The Financial Times, as well as major HR rewards and pensions publications. Gethin is also a regular keynote speaker and guest lecturer at events and a founding member of the Engage for Success Wellbeing Thought Action Group. He is also listed on the Employee Engagement Power List and one of Cardiff Life's One to Watch in the City. In 2018, Gethin published his first book, the five-star rated Amazon HR bestseller, A World of Good, Lessons from Around the World in Improving the Employee Experience, which has gone on to inspire HR and reward teams at some of the world's biggest brands. His new book, is called A Work in Progress, which brings together evidence from more than 500 studies, exclusive contributions from leading global workplace experts, and captivating advice from in-house wellbeing leaders from organizations, including Okado, Philip Morris, International, and Serco. Hey, Gethin, it's my absolute delight and pleasure and honor to have you back on the show, sir. Thank you very much for having me back. It's It's been a while and thank you very much for that very generous introduction. It has been a while and you, you've you been a busy man since the last time we've spoken and uh, and you've got this new book coming out. Uh, yeah, I'm consistently and, tired. I've been tired for two years, <laughs> I think. So. Let's just start by you taking a minute or so and introducing yourself to, to our listeners who perhaps didn't tune in uh, the first time around when we spoke. Yeah, so as I said, I think as you said, for for just over 20 years now I've been working with employers to improve the employee experience and, and a big part of that has been well-being especially that's kind of been my focus for at least the last five years and uh, yeah you know the pandemic led to me having one of the busiest professional times ever you know I think lots of employers struggled with how do we help and how do we support well-being I think is a concept in the workplace advanced by probably 10 years or more um, and, and many employers probably for the first time had to face up to their role in well-being and, and taking care of their staff. And so, yeah, I think that whole experience and everything I did, you know, I think as the world um, as the world changed and lots of uh, lots of meetings turned into kind of Zoom meetings and lots of conferences went online, etc. My capacity to do more speaking increased. So through twenty. 20 and 2021 i probably did somewhere in the region of 200 to 250 different talks um held about 100 150 different well-being workshops with global employers um and yeah and it got to the point where i was like i need to take all of this learning and put it into a book to help people kind of you know as the pandemic subsides how do we how do we deal with this new issue in many cases of well-being at work Questus is a workforce financial empowerment company providing a complete personal finance solution that benefits people, employers, and advisors. 
They help businesses become life-changing employers by helping employees solve the root causes of financial stress. Their solution meets people at the paycheck with solid behavioral science, personalized, predictive planning, real-person coaching, and a modern, friendly user experience. Learn more at Questus.co. So the new book aims to support leaders and HR pros and such to, to fully understand their impact uh, of their organization on, on its people. Um, what, what's changed, Gethin? Uh, it's been a heck of a last two or three years. Uh, yeah. And I, from the conversations that I've had with folk, I'd, I'd like to think one thing that's changed, for example, is leaders are more um, empathetic and more understanding of people's um, mental and physical well-being. Would you agree? Yeah. What, what, what's changed? Yeah, well, I think um, so, so as kind of um, members of society and consumers, we, we've kind of taken more agency over our well-being. I think the nature of the pandemic itself required us all to be pretty fully informed on how do we take better care of ourselves. you know, in order to avoid, avoid catching the virus in the first place. People started engaging more with uh, at state level and, and states and social social care and social support at kind of government level in whatever country you're in. And people listened to people at the World Health Organization more than they did before. And so people became kind of much more interested in their own well-being, which has kind of been a trend that's been growing even pre-pandemic. And we, and we know from mentions of the word well-being and mental health, et cetera, on social media and mentions of the world well-being and searches for well-being and mental health and that kind of stuff have all rocketed. And so I think individuals have become far more interested in their own well-being. Um, I think the pandemic gave people this um, pause and reflect moment in their lives where most people started to realize, you know, is, is my employer there for me? And do they care about me? And is this the right person that I should be working with? You know, I'm facing financial pressure because of the pandemic. I'm facing emotional distress because of the pandemic. And, you know, is my employer really helping me through this difficult time? And I think when lots of people ask that question to themselves, the answer was, well, no, I don't think it is. And I think that's obviously fueled this, the great resignation and this competitive hire environment that we still find ourselves in. Um, and then I think added to that, from an employer point of view, the evidence continued to mount this vast and compelling evidence that actually, if you want to create a successful business, you've got to take care of your people. Um, and part of that was influenced by some pretty surprising stakeholders. So we saw consumers basically say, do you know what, if you don't look after your people, why would I'm not going to buy from you as a business. And we saw this a lot in the US with things like sick pay. Employees were being told to go home and self isolate because they caught the virus, but were not paying them to stay home. So that became a kind of, well, hang on, the employers make a decision here, which is putting public health at risk. And so I'm not going to go and buy from that employer, whoever that might be, if they're not doing the right thing by their people during this crisis. And that forced lots of US um, employers to start paying sick pay and fully paid sick pay for the first time. And same in the UK. Um, and then we saw this other weird stakeholder that influenced it, and that was investors and shareholders. So 94, um, 94% of the top 600 investors in the US said that how a company treats its employees is something they want to see evidence of before they will invest because they know themselves, well, if you don't take care of your people, they're not going to stay. They're not going to be innovative. They're not going to deliver the best customer service. They, your turnover is going to be high. So why would I invest in you if you're not going to be successful because you don't have this commitment to well-being? And so the couple of years of the pandemic, I think, just whirlwinded all those different things together and started to really advance well-being in the workplace. 
The days of matching web keyword searches with resumes and job descriptions is over. It's all about cultural fit. Workzinger empowers job seekers looking for jobs and employers looking for new hires to have thoughtful and insightful conversations, making the recruiting process more successful for both sides. Learn more at workzinger.com. So as we record this conversation in mid-October 2022, it was very recently that Mr. Biden, President Biden, uh, declared that the pandemic was over, Gekin. Um, <laughs> not, not everybody agrees with that statement. Um, where does that leave companies now who are mandating people that go back to, into the office? Is that okay to do that now? I mean, perhaps six months ago, 12 months ago, that was absolutely not the right thing to do. And that would cause uh, a bad Im impression and uh, damage the employer brand. But but now if if employers say, you know what, guys, we need you in the office at least once or twice a week. Is, is, is that okay? Can they do that? Yes, yeah, so I think one of the things that we learned from the pandemic um, and we started to kind of get an inkling that this was the case on the run up to the pandemic was that um, to have a successful employee experience, to really engage people, to have people to enable people to improve their well-being, we had to allow them to personalise those experiences in a way that works right for them. And so that means, you know, giving them agency and encouraging them to make decisions that are going to make them more productive, innovative at work. And some of those decisions might be where do I work from and what time do I work and what does my working week look like? Um, and these were themes that I brought up in the first book. And when I started writing that it was 2016. So, you know, we're almost eight years on from that. And still people are just getting to grips with the idea that we can tear apart the eight hour working day and the five day working week and replace it with something that's arguably better and still maintain good quality productivity and output. Um, and I think, Lots of people now understand that because the pandemic forced them to work in a way that they'd probably um, shied away from for many years before that. Um, plenty of companies that I speak to um, pre-pandemic were adamant that they uh, they weren't or couldn't have uh, a flexible work in, um, in regards to location who are now very successfully running businesses that have people all over the world working for them. Um, and so I think there are still people clinging on to the old ways of working. And I understand that because it's how we've worked for 100 years or more. But, you know, we are going through a revolution. The Industrial Revolution changed a lot of work. This kind of pandemic revolution is, is going to change how people have to think about things like time and productivity and how do we measure output. Um, and why shouldn't we? Because technology is advancing. That's allowing us to get more out of people in less time. So why aren't we embracing that? I agree. However, times are tough. And uh, just just today, uh, as we record this interview, uh, there are reports on the BBC and elsewhere that the UK economy um, the aren't looking great. The numbers for August were not great and pretty certain that there's going to be a, a, a bad recession in the UK and across Europe in, in 2023. And um, I asked the following question of William Tinkup. Um, of recruiting daily fame just a few weeks ago on uh, on the HR and Review podcast, actually. Um, and it, it went something like this. Um, okay, employees can expect great benefits and, um, and extra allowances such as flexible time and so on and so forth uh, during during times when it's pretty hard to to find talent and to attract talent. But when when the economy gets uh, economy gets pretty tough and people start losing jobs will will benefits be cut and uh, will will candidates be as picky 
I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and you know, it, it's one worth. Uh, it's a question that we should be asking. But you know, I've worked in benefit schemes globally. Through, if you know, this turns into a recession, which, as you said, it probably will. You know, once we've lived through that, that's the third recession that I've been in and selling employee benefit schemes to global employers, and it's a pretty recession-proof business. Touchwood. Um, through the my first day working employee benefits for Barclays in the UK was the day that Lehman Brothers collapsed. And so the day that I started working in Canary Wharf was the day that people were walking out of Lehman Brothers with boxes of the desk, um, you know, the desk kind of put into a box, tears in their eyes, walking out of Lehman Brothers. Um, our business did very well during that time because actually people realized that we still need to engage people. Because actually the interesting thing about employee engagement is when the going's good, you will never notice it. But when the going's tough and businesses really need people to help them get through it, that's when employee engagement comes alive. And we saw that during the pandemic, because during the pandemic, plenty of businesses were really conscious of, I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know how many customers I'm going to lose. I don't know how what investment opportunity I might lose. We might have sales opportunities that will cancel because everybody was really nervous about, do I invest in anything? Because I don't know if I'm going to need that money in my back pocket for later in the year. But those people, that's where we started to really realize the value, I think, of people in our business, because... They could react really quickly to changing rules. They could kind of adapt very quickly to homeworking. They did a lot that machines still aren't capable of, of understanding this new way of working and adapting to that. And so that employee engagement came alive. And in the UK in particular, during the first lockdown, for two thirds of companies, employee engagement went up. And it's because we started treating people the way we always should have. We cared for them. We communicated more openly with them. We kind of rallied people around and said, look, we're going on this mission. We want to save this business. We want you all to come along with us on that journey. And I saw friends take voluntary pay cuts. And I thought people put their hands up to go on furlough um, and take pay cuts in that sense because they wanted to help their business get through this. Now, the reward for that is the way you treat somebody after the, the kind of tough times end. And I think, again, for lots of people I've seen, and the stats back this up, is as we made our way through the pandemic, those engagement scores fell to the floor by the second lockdown in the UK because actually people were like, you know, what am I doing this for? I'm not getting anything back. Like these people aren't supporting me through the pandemic yet. I'm supposed to help this business survive. And so I think actually at, when times are tough and during times of recessions, benefits are very important because they still help to engage employees. Um, and that's just one example. And so I think, you know, we can't afford to not engage people if we're keeping people because they can't find a job elsewhere. We still need them to be engaged because an unengaged or disengaged employee is in many cases uh, as bad as not having an employee in that place in the first place. Okay, so it's a genuine revolution then. That's what you're saying. Um, there, there are new expectations from candidates and from employees today and they're not going to go back and nor should they. And, and if, uh, if corporations try and step back, then they ain't going to look good for them. That, that, that's pretty much what you're saying. Is that right? Yeah, I think, you know, we look at the consumer habits during the pandemic. Something like 82% of consumers said they need to trust uh, a brand to do what's right by the people they employ. Um, and in one study I read by McKinsey, um, I think it was just over half of consumers said how an employer treats its people was now more important than if the item they wanted to buy was in stock. And so that's pretty significant change in consumer habits as well, where you know, we're looking for the brands we work with to have more purpose. We're looking for them to be more sustainable and commit more to ESG, environmental, social and governance issues. And that S of ESG is how we treat people. And if we're not treating the people that we work for, 
uh, well. And we've got, again, loads of examples that have happened over the years from Uber to Wells Fargo to Amazon. You know, an employee who couldn't leave their workstation in Amazon who had to urinate in a bottle made front page news all around the world. Um, and that started this decline of, you know, it's a slow decline, but it's lots of people saying, Do you know what, actually, is this the right kind of company for me to be giving my money to? Um, and I think that's just going to continue and people are going to kind of uh, use their feet and use their wallets to, to distance themselves from businesses that aren't taking care of people. And I think during times of crisis, that becomes actually far more magnified. Gethin, I'm sad to say we are wrapping up this conversation in just a couple of minutes. What, Bill? I feel like we're only just started. I'm sorry. I love you, Gethin. We're going to get you on again pretty soon. <laughs> uh, it's just I know that the listeners, uh, they, they have a certain amount of time that they like to tune in for our chat pod. Um, before we do wrap up, uh, just a couple more questions for you. Uh, what, are you what are you most proud of about, about this new book? that's coming out tomorrow Gethin. what was if you had to if you had to pinpoint one thing maybe one lesson maybe one collaboration maybe one big finding from all the all the amazing data that that's shared in the book uh what would that one thing be i think i think the whole the whole book has this theme of people through it you know we, the preface talks about my experiences of learning about early human and how actually that's informed a lot of the book you know our societies have advanced significantly, but we as humans haven't evolved that much. And what we needed in the kind of tribe and fire of humanity hasn't really changed. What we needed to survive and to be healthy, one of those things is people. And I think we need to understand in this new way of work, how do we bring our people together? How do we create better communities at work because of the impact that has on the individual and their well-being? But also the theme of the book is, you know, I brought in the views of about 15 different global HR and well-being experts from various different companies. Um, and, and people will support the book, right? The book is nothing unless somebody buys it. So I think the theme of the book is people and bringing people together. And I think the, um, the, the kind of romantic side of writing this book is that you know, the, the, the result of this book is people coming together and supporting me and wanting to help and that network of people that I've built over the years. And so... Um, yeah, it's people's probably the one word I'd use to describe the book. And if there are more people out there who don't know you yet, they haven't connected with you yet, but they'd like to, because they, like me, think that you're a pretty awesome dude. How can how can <laughs> they connect with you, Gethin? Uh, is that through LinkedIn? Is that email? Is that TikTok? Is that Instagram? Is that Twitter? Is that Facebook? I, I, what else have I forgotten? Goodness knows more. Um, and of course, how can they learn more about all the work happening over at Benefax? Well, I, I attempt where possible to um, uh, to do what I preach. So I, I left Twitter when Elon Musk um, put a bid in, uh, like he was going to buy it. Um, I left Facebook when uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and the team were not handling data correctly. So the only social media I'm on at the moment um, for work stuff is LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn, so people can catch me there. Um, the book's available um, from Amazon globally. Um, still trying to fight against their how helpful amazon are as a publisher and also kind of the conflict they've got with the way that sometimes they do business in the world but um i'm, I'm trying to to find a better way of publishing a book um and that's kind of yeah between seven pounds 99 and nine dollars 99 wherever you are in the world excellent well that just leaves me to say for today get in Naden, thank you very much for being my returning guest show thank you very much for having me really appreciate it and thanks for your support and listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. There are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the HR Gazette website, Apple, Spotify, and all the main platforms. 
and remember to like, subscribe and follow us on social media.